You know, if you think about it, there are lots of little sayings that we have, lots of little uh, witty little, little sayings that we come up with. The word that might be used is we would call them colloquialisms, okay? That would be a phrase. So if you didn't know what a colloquialism is, now you know, right? It's just a, a real, that's a, a $10 word for a, a, a witty saying or a witty phrase. And there are lots of these that we use for different things, but I heard a new one this week that I thought was especially funny, but also really good. So my father-in-law made the statement this week. He said, you can't make a silk purse from a sow's ear. If you think about that for a minute, you can't make a silk purse from a sow's ear. And what, essentially what that means is something is what it is, right? You, you can dress something up, you can try to make it nicer, but you can't make something that it isn't. You can't make something into something that it isn't. A, a sow is a pig, for those that maybe didn't know that, right? And so you can't make a silk purse from a pig's ear, basically. Well, I've been thinking about that because I thought it was just a, a witty and a funny turn of phrase. But as I really dug into the text for this morning, that phrase kept kind of stirring around in my head. And that might seem like a really odd thing to think on as you're studying the Bible. But this is, this is why I, I kept coming back to that. Is because the passage that we're going to read together in Proverbs 4 today, and especially verse 23, which is going to be the, the heart of what we're, what we're focusing in on, Proverbs 4, 23, the heart of this is about the heart. But at the end of the day, try as you may, if you just try to make yourself better so that you would find salvation, it'll never work. If you just try to come up with a better version of yourself, at the end of the day, it's like trying to make a silk purse from a sow's ear, right? What we need is not just a better version of ourselves, not just a better version of our heart, but we need transformation, change from within. And I think we'll see that as we dig into this morning's text. Proverbs chapter 4, we're reading through the Bible this year together as a church, and so we're reading in the Proverbs this week. The Proverbs are sayings of wisdom, and so we find lots of sayings of wisdom in the Proverbs, lots of very practical things. Now, they're not all worded in a way that we readily understand. Some of the Proverbs are worded in a way because, again, remember, this was originally given in an ancient language to an ancient people in an ancient culture. And yet, through the authority of God's Holy Spirit, it continues to speak to us today. And sometimes when we read the Proverbs, we, we have to really kind of think on it a little bit. Kind of like that phrase, right? The silk purse, the sow's ear. You have to kind of think about what that means. Well, some of the Proverbs work that way, but yet there's truth in these Proverbs. But in particular, the proverb that I want us to focus in on today really doesn't need a lot of explanation. I mean, it speaks for itself. And even as we read this, you're gonna see that it just, it speaks plainly. But I feel like it is so important for us to understand what Proverbs 4.23 teaches because it's, it's a message that's aimed straight for the heart. So if I could say anything before we dig in this morning, it's that I'm coming for your heart today because my desire is to speak to your heart and to move your heart so that we might walk away from today understanding how God wants to work in our hearts that we might know what God has for us and live in that plan, that purpose for our lives. So let's read together Proverbs 
chapter 4. For some context, we're going to read verses 20 through 27 together, but as I've mentioned already, verse 23 really is the heart of what we're going to focus on today, pun intended there, right? Okay, Proverbs 4 verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, if you've read through the Proverbs or if you're reading with us currently through the Proverbs, you've noticed that in the Proverbs, there's this character of sorts. Solomon is the author of the Proverbs. Solomon, who's the king of Israel, the son of David, is authoring these Proverbs, and and yet he's speaking sort of in character here. In many of the Proverbs, he's speaking as a father to a son, and so it's words of wisdom to his son. It's words of wisdom or, or wise sayings that he's wanting to pass down to his son, that his son might walk in these truths. But really, we understand, as I've said already, through the authority of the Holy Spirit, which was moving Solomon to write these words, that this is for us. This is for all of us, sons and daughters of God, that we would understand. And so as it speaks to the son here, it's really speaking to every one of us. And yet these wise words, these wise sayings, these wise teachings have so much for us to think on, to meditate on, to put into practice in our lives, particularly Proverbs 4.23. Now, if you read Proverbs 4.23, let's read it again just briefly. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. There's a lot of meat there for us to think about. What I want us to do this morning is I want us to consider this kind of in its two parts. It has two halves, if you will. The first half, part A, we'll say, is an instruction. It's instruction for what we are to do, right? And so even the verb there, keep your heart with all vigilance, we see that. And then the second part is the explanation. And the explanation tells us why. It goes into greater detail. It helps us to understand why we're to do the instruction. So let's look at it in that way, the the instruction and the explanation. So as we think about the instruction, the first point that I want us to see together is just simply this, is that our greatest need is internal, not external. Because Proverbs 4.23 speaks to the heart. It's talking about the heart, the, the, the inner man, the inner being, if you will, the inner person. In fact, the heart is often used in, in the writings of the Bible to refer to the inner self, the inner being. And we understand this because we still do this today. We talk about our heart. We talk about, you know, someone, oh, my, my heart goes out to them. Or I, that doesn't literally mean that the organ itself, right, goes out to them. That's not, that's not a literal saying, but it's speaking about my inner being, my, the, seed of my, the seed of my emotions, the seed of my person, the seed of who I am. Well, that's, that's exactly the way that the, the phrase heart or the word heart is used here, speaking about that inner being. Keep your inner self Keep your inner being with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. When we think about that and we understand that to be so true, we we realize that our greatest need that all of us have is an internal, not an external need. See, I really believe that if the thing that you needed the most 
was something external, then that's what Jesus would have died to provide for you. If the thing that you needed the most was education or money or material things or a house or shelter or, or even peace or, or, you know, something like that, a relationship, if that's what we needed the most, that's what God would have given us. But Jesus died on the cross so that we could have something internal that then affects the things that are external. And yet, in the church today, so much of what we hear in terms of teaching, so much of what we hear in terms of Bible studies and Sunday school lessons and other things, and I don't mean just from our people, I mean much bigger than us, just in the church, the capital C church, in in Christendom today, a lot of times our focus is on the external. And what I want you to understand today is that God's God's movement in your life, first and foremost, has to be something that is internalized before it is externalized. Otherwise, it's fake. It's meaningless. Otherwise, you become an empty shell. What Jesus describes in the New Testament when he speaks of the Pharisees, he calls them whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs, which in other words is just a, another way of saying that you're dead on the inside. You, you look nice on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Well, see, the, the thing that we need the most is that change from the inside. So when you hear this phrase, to keep your heart, what I want you to understand is is really what this means. This does not mean that you just need to do better, try harder, be better, quit making all the mistakes that you've made. You need to to get your act together and, and be a better person and quit sinning all the time because on your own, there's no way that you can do that. And even if somehow you could really get your act together and really figure things out, what are you going to do about all the things you've done in the past and the track record of all the wrongs and all the sins and things that, that follow behind you like a wake? Now, see, what we need is we need a, a transformation that comes from within, an internal transformation. Praise God, that's exactly what Jesus came to give us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be changed from the inside out, literally. So what is it that we talk about a lot of times with with kids, especially? We talk about asking Jesus in your heart. Well, we know that that doesn't mean that a little tiny Jesus comes to live inside that organ that's beating inside your chest, right? That's not, it's, it's metaphorical, not literal. But what we, what we mean quite literally in the sense of talking about asking Jesus in your heart is, is meaning that we would surrender that inner self, that inner being. We would surrender that to him. We would say, God, I am yours. I understand that I can do nothing to save myself. I can do nothing to be worthy or, or deserving of your forgiveness. And yet, by grace, I can receive that gift Jesus died on the cross so that you could be transformed from the inside out. In fact, when we think about what it means to to be transformed, not just behavior modification, right, but true heart transformation, we understand that heart transformation comes through salvation. It comes through salvation. The The way to have your heart transformed is not by having a really great Sunday school attendance. It's not by showing up at church. It's not by becoming a preacher or leading worship or being a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or serving, right? None of those things is is enough to save you. And I can say that because I'm a pastor of a church, right? I mean, many people would look at pastors of churches and you would say, oh yeah, that's it. I mean, they're they're really spiritual. And And I strive to be, I mean, I aim to be, but at the end of the day, 
I'm just here to tell you, this will not save you from your sins. Being good, being religious, getting understanding, learning the Bible, those things in and of themselves aren't enough. You need heart transformation, and that only comes through faith in Jesus, through trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins, confessing him as Lord and Savior of your life. It's exactly what we saw pictured in the waters of baptism this morning, that we are dead to the former ways of sin, and we are made alive through faith in Jesus. Romans chapter six, verse four speaks to that, which is why we use the language of Romans six, verse four, when we baptize. We're dead to sin, raised to walk in newness of life, because that transformation is an internal thing that happens when we surrender our lives to Jesus. It comes through salvation, but not only that, heart transformation comes through sanctification. Now, sanctification is another one of these fancy, really religious words. It's a big, long word. You can, you can use this. It's never going to be the wordle, right? Because it's way too many letters to be the wordle of the day. But sanctification, what that means, it's the process of growth. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Sanctification is the process of growing in our holiness as we seek to walk and be more like Christ. We become sanctified as we, as we walk in the, the Scriptures. We do what the Bible tells us to do. Now, this is where it might seem like I'm contradicting myself, but I really don't mean. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of the order here that is so important. See, being good and doing those good things will never save you from your sin. And yet, if you've been saved from your sin, there ought to be something to show for it. There ought to be some change. There ought to be some, some, something inside of you that happens as you trust in Jesus and you grow in that faith. That's what sanctification is. It's that process of growth that takes place. And growth can be hard and growth can be messy. We all know that to be true. We all know that growth can be messy. We've, we've all heard the phrase, two steps forward, one step back. And I would imagine that at some point in your life, you have felt like that was indicative of you. You were the living embodiment of two steps forward, one step back. Move forward a little bit, step back a little bit, right? Forward and back. And sometimes it even feels like we're sort of on that spiritual roller coaster of ups and downs, growth and and, and, and what we might call backsliding, right? The forward and the back, the up and the down. But the point is that it's not leading us toward perfection, at least not this side of glory, this side of heaven. We'll never be perfect, but we are growing. We ought to be growing more and more to be like Jesus. That's sanctification. And that can only take place when your heart is transformed by faith. Not because you, not because you, check all the boxes, not because you keep the rules. Because here's the real secret to sanctification. Even if you can somehow fool everyone else, God is not fooled. Even if somehow you can get your act together and you can figure it out and you can convince everyone else externally that everything is great, internally, if you're a mess, God is not fooled because he sees beyond what everyone else sees. What was it that we learned in the lesson of Solomon's father, David? This goes all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We learned that God sees the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. Everybody else, all they can see is outward. But God sees 
inside of us. He sees the heart, right? That's why we need an internal change, not just an external change. God isn't fooled by all the good things that we might do or all the ways that we might play the game. No, we need transformation from within. But when we trust in Jesus by faith, that's exactly what we get. We get a a new heart, a transformed heart, a, a renewed self through faith in Jesus, and now we grow in that faith. Transformation takes place, which really leads to the last point here. These points kind of build. You see that, right? Salvation leads to sanctification, which then leads to spiritual fruit. It leads to the, the thing that we have to show. And that, come, that produces spiritual formation in our hearts. That would be the word I, I would use. That's what I used here even. Heart transformation comes through spiritual formation. In other words, what I really mean is that oftentimes real growth, real change looks a lot like obedience. It looks a lot like spiritual discipline. It looks a lot like a commitment to discipline. What we need, every one of us, we need to commit to disciplines because that's how transformation is, that's how that sanctification, that's how that growth is gonna take place. Yes, we commit to those disciplines, but hear me, again, the order of these is so important because if you're committing to discipline, thinking that through disciplines, through disciplining yourself, you will earn God's favor, then you've got the cart before the horse, so to speak. A commitment to discipline can help us grow. It can help form our hearts. But that's only good and only effective if our heart is transformed by grace through faith in Jesus. And so we commit to spiritual formation. I've referenced over the years at various points and times, I've referenced a book that is really good. It's written by an author. His name is James K.A. Smith. And the name of the book is You Are What You Love. And the, the book, You Are What You Love, it, kind of the main premise, right? If you don't want to read it, I'll, I'll just kind of give you the main idea of the book essentially is that the things that you do, the habits that you form, the disciplines that you build into your life will ultimately affect the things that you desire and the things that you love. Because that's, that's the transformative power of those disciplines. It's not enough to save you. It's not enough to set you free from sins. But if your heart has been set free from sin through faith in Jesus and you commit to spiritual formation, you will see growth. You will see transformation. You will see change that takes place. And so when I think about spiritual formation, heart formation, I have some thoughts here that, first of all, I think that the heart is formed through discipline. I've said that already. In order to live with discipline, you have to accept boundaries, right? That's what discipline really is, isn't it? Discipline is accepting a certain set of boundaries. Discipline is accepting a set of, 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 of uh, bumpers, if you want to think of it along that way, right? We go bowling, some of us put the bumpers up because it helps us keep the ball in the lane where we want it to be. Discipline is living with uh, bumpers, so to speak. It's living with those boundaries that keep us where we want to be. And so when we live with spiritual discipline, we're living within those boundaries. We, we accept those boundaries. We are willing to embrace and live within those boundaries. And spiritual formation requires spiritual discipline. Not only that, the heart is formed through correction. 
One of the things that will happen as we, as we embrace spiritual discipline, as we embrace disciplines, is that we will, we will find our hearts corrected a lot. God's word will speak to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ will, will, will build us up, will, will speak words that will edify us. Random things that you didn't even expect to happen, uh, something someone will say or something that you see, will, God will use that to speak to you and it will instruct you, it will correct you. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life to bring about correction. Heart transformation brings correction. But in order to receive correction, you have to be humble. You have to be humble. Not only that, heart, the heart is formed through service. As we walk in faith, as we, as we live with discipline, we, we come to the place where we realize I'm meant for something more. Like God has a bigger purpose for me than just myself, and that's where serving others, that's where serving the body, serving the church, serving Christ's kingdom comes into play. We live and we serve and we, and we, we partner with others in order that we might serve Christ, we might serve and build his kingdom. The heart is also formed through worship, through worship, which is why it's so important that we gather together. It's why it's important that we meet in this place regularly. Now, it doesn't have to be here, right? I mean, we meet here because this is a fantastic, a beautiful building, a great resource that God has blessed us with. But the church, First Baptist Church, is not... This, this brick and mortar. It's not these walls. First Baptist Church is the people. It's the people. It's the body of Christ, the people who gather together, who, who link arms to partner together for the sake of the gospel as we seek to advance the gospel and reach people with the message of Christ. And that happens when we worship together, when we weekly, regularly gather together. We sing songs. We study the word. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We, we, we correct one another. We, we, we push each other. I've, I've shared before as well that a lot of times that looks like the, the hand in, in the back, but sometimes it's the arm around the shoulder when we need it. Sometimes it's the kick in the pants, right? But it's somebody who's there with us, side by side, shoulder by shoulder, linked up with us to push us, to encourage us. And that happens as we gather together with worship. So the first part, the instruction is keep your heart. Keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Literally, with all vigilance means keep it with everything that you have. So make it your goal above all else to keep your heart, to guard your heart, protect your heart. Why? Well, that's the second part of the verse, right? Because from it flow the springs of life. When we understand how important the heart is, that speaks to why we have to keep our heart with all vigilance. So the first thing we saw is that our greatest need is internal, not external. But then as we consider the explanation of why, we come to understand that our greatest gain is spiritual, not material. The reason why it is so important for us to, to pursue inner transformation rather than just exterior, external transformation is because the thing that we need is spiritual transformation. It's the inner, right? It's not a material thing. 
We need spiritual transformation. And that's what Proverbs 4.23 is speaking to when it talks about the springs of life. Picture a spring, if you will. Picture a freshwater spring. The water just comes up. It just, it, it just literally, if you've ever seen a freshwater spring, it'll just bubble up out of the ground. The water comes up and, and it flows and it, it's a source of life. It's a source of, of, of what we need if we think of water as being essential for life. Well, that's the point here. That's the, the language that Proverbs 4.23 speaks to. What we need, the source that we need is that source of life welling up within us. It's the transformation that takes place internally. It's a spiritual reality, not a material thing, not a physical thing. Again, if what you needed was physical, that's what Jesus would have died on the cross to give you. But he knew that your greatest need was a spiritual need. So he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin so that you could be forgiven and set free through faith in Jesus. And so our greatest gain, the thing that we stand to gain the most when we live in this way, when we guard our heart, when we protect the inner being, when we pursue spiritual transformation through salvation in Jesus Christ and sanctification and spiritual formation, our greatest gains are spiritual. A lot of us uh, have people in our families who've had heart issues. In our, in our culture, there's a lot of talk about, about heart health because there's sort of a, a, a pandemic of sorts, at least an epidemic may be a more appropriate word. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people in our, in our American society, in our culture, that struggle with heart health. And I suppose there's any number of reasons for that. A lot of it gets pinned on our diet and the things that we eat and, 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 and the disciplines of exercise and sleep and all these other things. But there's a, there's a genetic component to that as well. And, and if you've ever had someone in your family who's experienced uh, heart issues, cardiovascular issues, then you understand how important it is for you to get checked up regularly and at an early age to begin monitoring your heart health because you want to you have a healthy heart, right? Poor heart health produces all kinds of problems and complications as opposed to good heart health well, that it's good. It keeps us healthy and, and moving. Well, think about that, okay, as sort of a, a, a metaphor as well for heart health in a spiritual sense. If your heart is healthy spiritually, that's going to produce all kinds of benefits and blessings in your life. And if your heart is not healthy spiritually, well, then you're going to find that in your life, you're going to be missing out on a lot, right? It just stands to reason, that's the essence of Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow springs of life. A healthy heart is a blessing, not only to you, but to others around you. And so what does it take to have a healthy heart? Well, it requires inner transformation. It requires sanctification. It requires spiritual formation. And the results of that, the gains that we produce from that are first and foremost that it produces that spring of life. The spring of life. A healthy heart produces springs of life. Not only that, a healthy heart produces spiritual fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, we read about spiritual fruit. Paul writes to the church in, churches in Galatia, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Those things are all marks. They're evidences of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And so we produce spiritual fruit as we walk by faith, as we live by faith. We produce that spiritual fruit. Well, I would contend that the spiritual fruit, that's the heart of what the springs of life that Proverbs 4.23 is speaking of. The, the springs of life looks a lot like spiritual fruit. It looks a lot like the work of God in your heart through the evidence of his Holy Spirit, through the inner transformation that takes place as God is working on us from the inside, producing an external change. But finally, I would say this, that a healthy heart produces sustained change. See, the reason so many people struggle to, to really see spiritual growth is because the reason that so many people struggle to see sustained change in their lives is because they're trying to live in their own strength, in their own power, in their own ability, in their own goodness. But the problem that I've, I've tried to establish so plainly for you to see this morning is if you're living in your own strength, if you're living in your own goodness, it will never be enough, Right? can't make a silk purse from a sow's ear. You need something different. You need transformation that takes place through faith in Jesus. But then as you are transformed by faith in Christ, now you can begin to experience the springs of life. Now you begin to produce spiritual fruit. Now you can see sustained change, lasting transformation. Again, not perfection, because this side of glory, this side of heaven this side of our eternal reward, we're always going to struggle against sin. It's the reality of the fall that we, that we have to contend with. And yet, by faith in Christ and through sanctification and a commitment to spiritual formation, we can grow. We can begin to see change. We can be, sustain real, lasting transformation that occurs from the inside out. This week, I was talking to someone in our church uh, about a new business venture that, that, that they've started up. And he made the statement, I asked, how are things going? New business, how are things? And he said, it's good. Uh, it, it's been really good. But he says, it's the kind of good that looks a lot like hard work. And I thought, well, that's really appropriate, isn't it? It's the kind of good that looks a lot like, the kind of opportunity, that was his exact words, the kind of opportunity that looks a lot like hard work. Well, a lot of times, spiritually, the opportunity, the, the transformation, the change, it looks a lot like hard work. Hear me, the hard work will never produce lasting change. Hard work on its own is never gonna get you there because you need an internal transformation, not just an external transformation. But if you are transformed from the inside by Jesus through faith in Christ and you commit to spiritual discipline and you commit to spiritual formation and you, and, and you live in obedience, you're gonna to begin to see the product of that. You're gonna to begin to see. So it's, it's a healthy heart produces sustained change. That looks a lot like a commitment to spiritual discipline. It looks a lot like obedience. And I say it that way because I want you to understand that you're gonna to have to commit to those things in order to experience that transformation. But if you will, and if all of that is being fueled by the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you will see lasting, sustained change. May that be the goal for every one of us, that we would see sustained change, lasting transformation in our hearts 
as we trust in Christ by faith, as we commit to spiritual discipline, spiritual formation, and as we grow in our sanctification. In a, more, in a minute, we're gonna move into a time of response. We call that time the invitation because in the invitation, we're inviting you to respond. And let me be so clear. I wanna be so clear about what we're calling you, how we're calling you to respond today during our time of invitation. First and foremost would be, if you've never trusted Jesus by faith, that you would make today the day that you surrender your life to him. Today, let today be the day that you experience that internal transformation through faith in Christ. It comes through salvation as you confess your sins and you believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins and make him Lord and Savior of your life. And as you do that, and now, because you will have his Holy Spirit living inside of you, you begin this process of spiritual growth. So if you don't know Jesus today, in a moment, when we stand and we sing the song together, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, you would surrender your life to him today. Make today the day that you surrender your heart to Jesus. But I know that many in the room have taken that step. Many in the, in the room have, have taken that step by faith. Many who might be listening today, either online through our live stream or listening locally on our radio broadcast on Cool 105, you've taken that step of faith. And yet God's word for you today is that you would keep your heart with all vigilance. In other words, that you would really incline yourself to the instruction part of this verse that you would understand how important, how vital, essential it is that you guard your heart, that you commit your ways to Christ. You would keep your heart with everything that you have. Why? Because from it flow the springs of life. You wanna have life and peace and joy and all of those things? It looks a lot like a commitment to spiritual discipline. As you seek to walk in obedience, to the commands of Christ. And so today, if God's speaking to you and he's stirring in your heart and, and, and you know that you need to act in some way of obedience, maybe it's, maybe it's a, something that's very, very clear to you and you know I need to take this step, right? Maybe it's a discipline that you need to add or maybe it's a habit that you need to give up, but God is speaking to you, his Holy Spirit is convicting you even now, then I wanna encourage you that you would commit that to him this morning during our time of invitation. So our altar's gonna be open if you wanna come and kneel here in a time of prayer as you just seek to, to renew again your commitment to follow Christ and to live for him. Maybe you don't understand exactly, but you know because you've just, you've got that inner, that, that, that inner conviction and you know God is stirring you in some way. Then can I encourage you? It's it's completely appropriate to say, Lord, I don't know exactly what you want, but I'm ready to obey. And ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal his will to you this morning that you might, you might respond in obedience to that. And so even as we stand and sing this song, if God's stirring you, again, the altar's open, our staff will be here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. Would you respond in obedience to him today as we sing? I want us to bow our heads together and spend a moment in prayer as we prepare for this time of response. And so even as I'm praying aloud, I would encourage you just to pray privately. God, would you move in my heart? Would you speak to me today? Lord, our heart's desire is that we would be molded and shaped by your truth, that we would be led by your word. We want to keep our hearts, Lord. We wanna to commit to a way of discipline 
Not because we think that discipline will produce the transformation, but we understand that once we've been transformed through faith in Jesus, if we will commit to that discipline, we will see spiritual fruit. We will see lasting change. We will have the springs of life that Proverbs 4.23 speaks of. So move in us. Lord, may you spring up your life, your joy, your peace, your goodness in us as we commit our ways to you. Stir in our hearts now. Lord, if anyone here doesn't know you, may you bring just the weight of conviction on them that they might make this the moment of their salvation, this the moment of their surrender. And for those of us who are being led in in, in some way to respond today, Lord, move in our hearts that we might might respond in obedience and, and humility as you lead us. All this we ask in your name. Amen.